Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. And this is the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions for our critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. Good to have you with us today. Uh, This is a a story that is not new conceptually anyway, uh, but troubling nonetheless, no matter how many times we hear about it. In the latest incident, five hockey players from Canada's 2018 gold medal winning world junior hockey team are now facing charges in connection with an alleged group sexual assault of a woman after a gala event that was held in London, Ontario, six years ago now. All five uh, men have uh, turned themselves into London police. The first hearing was uh, just yesterday. And uh, there's a lot to talk about here. And and I know that it's far too early in this process to start talking about consequences and, and what's going to happen and, and, and uh, you know, where this trial is going to go. But I think in a broader sense, uh, we need to have a discussion about what's going on here. And, and are there some systemic issues uh, with hockey and with sports in general uh, that need to be addressed? Well, there's an op-ed piece in theconversation.com that I saw the other day that touched on those. And uh, and I'm so glad that uh, the person that wrote the piece is able to join us today. She is uh, Dr. Jennifer Walenga, who is a professor of communication and culture at Royal Roads University in British Columbia. Uh, doctor, a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Bill. Great to be here. Well, very timely, of course, uh, because of what's happened in the past. And as I say, sadly, this is not the first incidence of something like this. We've had way too many of these examples in the past uh, about sexual misconduct, alleged sexual misconduct. Uh, in this case, it's hockey. There have been other sports, both uh, in, in in professional sports and certainly in, in amateur sports as well. Uh, you, you make the point, and I think very strongly in the piece that you wrote, uh, that maybe what we need to do here is this entire system needs to go under the microscope. Uh, in the past, after situations like this have occurred, as you write in the in the article, uh, there have been quote unquote changes made. Uh, nothing monumental, uh, an awful lot of the time, and and I guess you could argue uh, nothing that's really made any any massive change to for, to try to improve the situation. What needs to happen? We'll talk specifically about Hockey Canada here. Uh, since this was, of course, the Canadian national team. How do you see what's wrong here? And, and how do you point point that out? And how do you address those problems? Yeah, I really center in on three things that I think structurally need to happen. Uh, it all comes down to that idea of cultural integrity, right? When we are actually operating in accordance with the values of whatever endeavor we're engaged in. So for sport, it's really about human so- social development developing young people, but you're also developing them for society and you're developing community. It's supposed to be good for for us all, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not really living our sport in accordance with those values uh, as a beginning point. And the way to achieve that structurally is to ensure that you have independence, which we don't have. We don't have as well as we could in Canadian sport. I think it's escaped a lot of that for some reason. And I think uh, there's a lot of people, great leaders in Canada doing research on that, showing that Sport tends to think of itself as above or exempt from or it's different than, but really it needs to subject itself to the same kind of rigorous accountability measures and independence measures. And then the third thing is transparency. And I think those three things go hand in hand. When you have independence and proper oversight uh, without one body doing everything and kind of holding all the power, uh, you have actual accountability frameworks in place that hold people accountable to objective criteria. There. And they're supposed to demonstrate that they're meeting those criteria publicly, openly, transparently. Uh, then we're, we're golden. You know, it works really well. And I always try to make the point that if we just look at sport, when sport's done well, that's what we do. 
we hold athletes accountable. We are public in the selection criteria, public with the performance results. So there's no question about who belongs on the team or who doesn't. Puts it in the hands of the athletes. So it's very much a partnership model. And uh, and everyone wins, really. I, I, I'm just trying to extrapolate some of the stuff here from, from the piece that you wrote here. Uh, not necessarily to identify the problem, but at least to discuss some of the, the contributors to this. Uh, and I got the sense, uh, to a certain extent anyway, that maybe there were too many cooks here. Uh, the government's involved, the federal government's involved, of course, uh, and that comes down to money. Corporations are involved in this, uh, and and you know they're going to have input. That group's going to have input, uh, and even even doctor at the highest level, if they said, okay, we're going to get our act together here, how does that filter down to the grassroots? Because that's where a lot of these uh, these problems start to occur, where people simply turn their back because because of the money, because of the fact that they're dealing with elite athletes, and you know, do we really want to put them under the microscope, or do they get a pass because of of what they can do on the ice or on the court or whatever the case might be? Yeah, there's a great article. I can't remember the author right now, but a Canadian author. She writes about how there's no such thing as um, an abusive but good doctor. Well, he's still a good doctor. We do that with athletes all the time. Well. But they're a great athlete. Kevin Spacey, he's a great actor. But he's also a sexual predator. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't be both. When you're involved in an endeavor that is for humanity, like sport, like health, like education, I'm sorry, but you can't get the pass. And, and that does have to stop. But again, it starts with uh, who's holding who accountable. And there was another great article in the conversation by a couple of scholars out of uh, Ottawa. They're talking about how it's ultimately the board. The problem with that in Canada right now is a lot of the boards don't know. Maybe they know, but they seem to not be enacting uh, the responsibilities that are that are really part of their job description uh, of oversight. Again, it's like a coach holding an athlete accountable to specific criteria and and expecting them to demonstrate that, you know, and and taking that oversight role. We don't find that our boards are doing that effectively. So then we think we need to bring in the government to establish that. Uh, I'm not sure they're doing such a great job right now because they have that sport um, governance code. It's more of a report card checklist. You know, and checklists aren't enough. We need to actually track results, which we do, again, of our athletes. So why wouldn't we have our sport leaders? But it, uh, let me put it this way. that You know, the, the old idea, but, you know, the the, the path there is, is just – there's so many different side roads you can take. Uh, even these boards, even these volunteers that are sitting on Hockey Canada or, or you know, or Soccer Canada or whatever the case might be, uh, you know, we've heard stories about how they are benefiting from this. You know, the, they're the ones that get free trips and they're the ones that are getting, you know, in other words, they're benefiting financially and otherwise from stuff like this. So are they the ones that are going to blow the whistle and say, you know what, we got to blow this whole thing up? Because uh, they got it pretty cushy. I remember talking years ago with a, 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 I was a provincial politician at the time. It said, no matter how well-intentioned every politician is who gets elected to office, at some point, they look around and say, you know, this is a pretty good life. I'm making good money. I got a huge expense account. People look up to me. Uh, and he says, there's a little voice in the back of your head that says, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to keep this job, which may not be what should be done. But and, and I guess that's human nature. But how do you overcome that and simply say, let's put sport first instead of, of personal gain? I know, right? And I think uh, I wrote another piece a while ago about leadership from the bottom up, which is what we're seeing. Uh, as soon as the athletes gained a platform for their voice, which was social media, really, and had more access to, 
to the public and to be able to express these stories. You think I care about McCormick and Soccer Canada, right? Spreading the news about Barberta. Uh, they found their platform and they're using it. So that's powerful. Unfortunately, the athletes don't seem to connect the fact that if they literally all organized, they would have all the power in the world to make change if they really wanted it, right? So we need a bit of that. I think uh, the media are really playing a very important role, like yourself, but so many others, um, powerful investigative journalists who are bringing to light so that at least the public is more aware. I mean, we wouldn't know anything about this hush fund. We wouldn't know about these sexual allegations um, except for the fact of the media. So that has to be happening. And I, I agree, you know, what's the motivation, what's the incentive for a leader in a position of power to actually design a power balance system? Yeah. That's the problem, but, we, but it is possible. We don't want to rock the boat an awful lot of the time, and and you know, the, you know, we heard about these from southern hockey and, and soccer stories, and I, I know that Rick Westhead from TSN has has been incredible as an investigative reporter uh, in in reporting a number of these incidents, and as you say, shining the light on them. But somewhere in that echelon is is somebody who's going to say, "Do we really want to print this? Are you absolutely sure about this? Do you want to go after that hockey player?" Do you know what that guy is? You know what? Uh, do you want to go after Joel Paterno at Penn State? This guy's a god to, to football in there. Uh, that there was actually a sexual misappropriation going on in that locker room, and he knew about it. Uh, it it takes a lot of courage uh, to go down that road and and have the courage of your convictions in situations like that. Uh, the easier path is to simply say, let's just turn our backs on this, and and maybe it'll go away. Uh, there's there's got to be some resolve here, doesn't there, doctor? To say, look, we've got to address this head on. Absolutely. And, you know, these people like this young woman, I mean, she sacrificed six years of her life already fighting this, and she's going to sacrifice another couple for sure, and her life is going to be changed forever. It's going to be very hard. And I know hundreds of these kind of athletes who really stuck their neck out, and they've lost their sport because of it. And there's no real satisfaction. You have an impact. You can see that you have a positive impact like Kira, but uh, you, you can't return. You'll never get it back, right? So that's pretty tough to do. It's a huge sacrifice. Um, whistleblowers are also, I've been one, and completely scapegoated, demonized. John Kennedy talks about that, that when he first called out Graham James, he suffered a lot of trolling, a lot of abuse. It took a long time for people to come around and actually believe him. Um, you know, anybody that, that does this kind of courageous work is going to face some of that backlash. But luckily, we have a lot of principled people out there who are willing to speak out and to light, uh, Sandusky's in jail, Nasser's in jail. So without the people, and they often are, they begin with the athletes, the whistleblowers who see it and who are brave, but they often have supporters from the media, same with Nasser, right? And then someone who sticks with it um, from, the, from a police department or from that newspaper who just don't let it go. So luckily, those people do exist in our environment, but you're right, it does take results. And at some point or other, the public has to get involved. The members have to get involved. They, like they did with hockey, they started, the provinces started to withdraw some of their support and funding, and, and that can happen. It's again, it's like you say, though, the, the status quo is where we want to. Well, and, and and as you say, money talks situations, you know, and, and with some of these past ones we've known with the exploration, some of the parliamentary committees, uh, where they you know, found out that some of these boards are actually benefiting from this stuff financially, uh, and that there's the payoffs, of course, the non-disclosure agreements when somebody does come forward. Uh, you talk about transparency uh, right now, doctor, that's got to be part of the process as well. You know, let 
cut them a check, let them you know go away, and 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 that'll just get swept under the carpet. Uh, and we've seen that happen too many times before. And and every time we do this, of course, there's there's a there's usually an investigation or a parliamentary committee. And here's the list of recommendations. Why why then do we seem to be spinning our wheels because these these things keep occurring? Now I understand this one was six years ago, but nonetheless. It's one that almost went away too. I mean, police initially investigated this and 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 closed the books on it uh, until public outcry once again decided, okay, we, we're going to shine the light on this. Uh, it just seems there's a, a reticence to go where we need to go to try to address this. Absolutely, and uh, you know, there's so much fear as well on the part of leaders. So I think of the board for Hockey Canada making these questionable decisions about um, settlements. I think they they soon recognize they're actually now complicit. And so a lot of energy goes into them protectionism and, and they're afraid they're gonna be sued. If they admit they made a mistake or they regret doing something, they're now liable. And I think we really need to dig into that. And I, you know, I think of the Spanish history of the great forgiveness. Like we almost need to create a bit of a safe space for those to come forward to say regret total regret what, what I did, I want to fix it, want to be part of making things better and, um, and and have some impunity guaranteed in order to move forward because otherwise we are. We're just going to stay stuck like this. You can see it from Batman already with the NHL where he's quick to just dismiss that 2018 gang. Um, the five players are bad apples. My argument is that we also have these very insidious bad apples who are protectionists, who are not willing to ever admit regret or come clean or may I call it anything and not because they're afraid of being sued but because they're so comfortable where they are and they don't want to relinquish that status quo and the power and we need to uh, we need to identify those people and remove them from sports I don't want them now I don't think they're evil I just think they don't belong in sport because they're corrupting the whole thing we do have the UCCMS as well you know we do have some good policy in place and some better legislation around um, abuse in sports that's articulating, you know, for the public what kinds of abuse, um, what they really mean, what they are, that there are many. Um, so, you know, we are equipping people a little bit better. It's kind of coming, but you're right. There's no incentive to really. Well, exactly, because even if there's uh, there's culpability that's discovered and, and proven in situations like that, uh, to what end? Uh, I mean, superstar athletes, as you say, get a pass. I mean, and that's part of us. I mean, we're all guilty of that. You know, we, we put our, our elite athletes on pedestals. Uh, and, you know, if you're running back for the Baltimore Ravens and you, and you beat your wife, uh, yeah, you should be punished for that. But boy, not a 10-game suspension. The playoffs are coming up. Come on, let's let's be reasonable here. Uh, it's, it's almost as if there's a law for the us and there's a law for them. Uh, and 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 sadly, the abusers and those who abuse that position, I guess, they know that, and they know that that's their escape clause. Yeah, so again, it comes back to the public. I was pleased to see, you know, we saw the story of the White Cats, where the actual fans walked yeah. in. What was addressed? We have a lot of power. I'm noticing in some sports, like rugby, I keep talking about rugby, but I'm, I'm really impressed with rugby as a sport and culture, and ironically, it's probably considered more violent than hockey, but they've taken a very strong stand around hits to the head. They've taken a very strong approach to safety around concussion. Uh, they're really strong around abusive officials and they'll hand out a red card quickly if someone shoulders someone into the head, right? So it's um it's about deciding as leaders. And I think what I love about rugby is I think they have that vision that, 
ultimately this is about the sustainability of the sport. And if we want the public to, to galvanize around us still, we're going to have to win well and not uh, at all costs. Uh, notwithstanding what's going to happen legally here, and, and you know, we'll see how this this plays out over the next little while with all five. They've, they've pleaded not guilty, by the way. So, we'll see the, how that goes. And, and, and as you say, the victim uh, is going to get dragged through this whole process again. But at the end result, whatever happens from a legal standpoint here, Doctor, uh, is this the time that we're going to learn and said, okay, it's it's time for some systemic uh, improvements here to to make sure that this that there are safeguards in 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 place here. Uh, that there's a safe landing for people that want to be a whistleblower, uh, for people that can come forward in situations, and there have to be consequences. I don't care if you're a 50-goal scorer or you're on the fourth line on a hockey team. Uh, the law should be the same for, for both those people. Every case is moving us ahead, I think. You know, I think of Nasser was quite a, a groundbreaking in terms of establishing greater clarity around what is abuse and and how it works and how it can happen in front of your mother. You know, I think that was really uh, eye-opening for the public. I think it got a lot of attention thanks to the players involved and their, their willingness to endure what it took to, to make it more public. Um, but every single one of these cases is moving us further. Weinstein's been very important as a case because it introduced the messiness of uh, testimony by victims. and. I heard someone on a uh, radio show recently, she was describing how we know research-wise, psychologists have studied this, that a, a victim of any kind of an assault or trauma will try to normalize the trauma, right? They'll try to kind of make sense of it. We all do that, or we're in shock. And so, of course, we don't scream or react. We just kind of go into that freeze mode or flight mode or fight. But that that is entering in on testimony finally. Juries are being educated around um, that kind of circumstance. So I question the concept of consent, actually, uh, because that'll be their defense, right? Well, they forced her to do, apparently, uh, forced her to do some kind of video to say she was cool with it. And no matter what, um, someone that's in a power imbalance situation cannot give consent. You know, you think the Kyle Beach situation, he describes it poignantly. That mm -hmm. he was worried his whole career would be over if he didn't do what this trainer demanded of him. Well, he—that's what—that was the threat, wasn't it? He says, "I'll ruin you if you say a word of this. So I'll make sure you never play hockey again." And the gaslighting, like these abusers are narcissists, so of course they're very skillful at convincing a young, very vulnerable athlete. And sometimes they're not so young that he's thirty years old. It doesn't matter. You're vulnerable to your passion for the sport, and so they can convince you that your reality is somehow. That's how Nasser did it, right? He convinced those girls and their mothers that what he was doing to them was was legitimate. And uh, because you're so you're so caught up with the passion of the sport, you kind of question your own sense of intuition. And except for you know that one mom who really saw that no way this is not happening. Yeah. So it's it's pretty common. And and the fact is now we are really getting that. You know we're getting the nuance of how these kind of terrible psychological interactions actually impact. Well, that's why we'll be watching with great interest, not just from a legal standpoint, but for, from a cultural standpoint to see uh, just what the powers that be are going to learn from this circumstance and, and when they're going to be more proactive about this. Uh, Doctor, a pleasure having you on the program. First of all, thank you again for writing the piece uh, that was in the conversation.com. Uh, if, if one of your purposes was to engender a conversation about that, you've certainly done that. 
And uh, we really do appreciate you coming on the podcast today and talking about that. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for the work that you're doing. Take care. Bye. Take care. Dr. Jennifer Wallinga from, uh, of course, Royal Roads University. And that's it for the Bill Kennedy Podcast, this edition. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And until next time, take care. We'll talk again soon. Bill Kelly Podcast brought to you by Wizens Law, personal injury lawyers. Listen, you didn't choose to get injured, but you can choose the right lawyer. Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 or wizenslaw.com.